In the name of the true and living God, amen. Please be seated. At my previous church, there had been a long partnership with another church that was located in Haiti. It was about a 30-year-long partnership that they had when I arrived there. And over the decades, together, in partnership, they had built up a school in that town. So the Haitian church was in a town, a small city called Hinch in the Central Plateau. And by the time I had arrived um, in this partnership myself, the, the school had students, more than a thousand kids, from ages of preschool all the way up to college level courses. So it was a phenomenal achievement. And it gave me the opportunity to have a few chances to go and travel and experience what life in Haiti was like. So on one of those trips, um, I was spending time with the rector of the church there. His name was Per Wallen. And unfortunately for Wallen, he had had some health problems that made it necessary that he exercise regularly. And for him, with a school and a church, and in fact, uh, six or seven other institutions that he was responsible for that he had to tra travel out with a Jeep to get to, um, he was a very, very busy person. The only time he had to exercise was in the morning before the sun came up. And he would set off at five in the morning and go walking in the town. And also in Haiti, that's the only time you would ever want to exercise is before the sun comes up. So when I was there, he invited me to come with him on one of his walks. So we left at five, set out the door, and walked down through the town all the way out to the edge of the town, where the countryside um, became very beautiful. I saw the, the houses built with wooden slats, and in Haiti, everything has style. So even these houses that were sort of leaning had beautiful paintings of diamonds on them, a common theme. Uh, pink sometimes and green. And there were uh, clothes on the lines and chickens roaming about. And I turned to Wallen and I said, what keeps people from stealing the chickens? And he said, people steal chickens all the time. <laughs> but as we kept walking and we passed through the center part of the town, there had not been really anyone else that we'd been seeing, but in a few of the intersections, the little street corners, there were gatherings of people, which surprised me. People were sitting on the ground, and they were hunched over something in their laps. It looked like they had pamphlets or books. And there was a sound of a murmur, like a drone, of everyone speaking at once, quietly. And I thought, at first, everybody's crazy. <laughs> I thought, well, it's five in the morning and it's dark. What is everyone doing? But I knew... Obviously, that wasn't it. Then I thought maybe it was something religious, something spiritual. Maybe they were praying. That wasn't it either. As we walked past one of the intersections, I turned to Wallen and I asked him, what were the people doing? And he said, oh, those are students. They're studying. They're using the light of the street lamps. It's the only light they have at this time. It was an aha moment, both for how fortunate we are when we are able to just flip a switch and turn a light on whenever we want to, but also an appreciation for how important light really is. 
And the season of epiphany that we're entering into now is all about light. The story begins, of course, when God is born in Bethlehem to Mary, and the light of God enters into the world, and that's the story of Christmas. But epiphany is the discovery of that light. It's when the wise men follow the light of a star which leads them to the true light, and they see it and behold it with their own eyes. God has become manifest. That's what the word epiphany means, manifestation. And if you think about it, it's one thing for a good thing to happen, and it's something else when that good thing is known. It's one thing for the light to be here, but it's something else when the light is seen, beheld, known, and maybe even shared. And so these kings, when they bring their famous gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, perhaps that's not as important as something else they bring, which is their eyes, the eyes with which they behold this glory of what God is doing. So Epiphany, Epiphany comes every year at this time during what is essentially the darkest time of the natural year, just as it is beginning to turn and to become a little bit lighter every day. Each day gets a little bit longer from here on. And we, in our country, have been living through some unusual and difficult and dark times in recent years. We Americans have become more divided than we have been in a very long time. But I'm sensing a hunger to move away from this darkness and back towards the breaking in of light. Even this bizarre week that played out on the hill, and I'm sure some of you were very close to that in various ways, but even this bizarre week that we observed showed glimpses of some hope in humanity. With all those congressmen and women who were stuck in that chamber together, we saw, thanks to the good camera work of C-SPAN, we saw people actually talking to each other, including people with diametrically opposed positions, being human with one another during the better times. Perhaps even appreciating each other a little bit. I'm optimistic that the darkness has to give way eventually. And theologically, the ancient view of good and evil was often expressed as dark and light. It's an important uh, aside to make that this imagery of dark and light has been abused. It has been seen in a racial way sometimes, but this concept of light and dark is not about skin color. It's not actually about color at all. It's about radiance. And true spiritual radiance knows no barrier of race or culture. Radiance is what we get from the sun, what we get from a flame. And a shadow is its opposite. And so the ancient theologians had a very optimistic view about this light and dark because if you think about it in terms of light and a shadow, um, one exists positively, and one exists only by the absence of something else. You take a shadow, and you bring light to it. 
And as it says in John chapter 1, the darkness cannot overcome it. And perhaps that's why I remain optimistic about humanity. When we see the brokenness that is borne out in our society, or any society at any time, it is because of a lack of light, people walking in darkness. And at Epiphany, it's time to rediscover the light. Sometimes also, it's part of life. We find ourselves in a season where we have to walk through darkness. You've heard the phrase, the dark night of the soul. It's about a journey. And I know many in this community, including myself, are experiencing grief right now. And it's hard to be in this place. But grief must be honored. The dark times are part of the journey. I have found personally over and over that during the darkness of grief, it is possible to better understand what is truly of value. It's a time of becoming really real. We would never grieve if we had never loved. And painful though it is, grief causes us to assess the preciousness of life and the preciousness of the lives of those whom we miss, those who have brought light into our lives. Grief hurts, but it brings us closer to what is true. I think of those wise men and how they walked on that dark road and how their journey was surrounded by real danger, real fear, but they knew how to learn from the darkness and they knew how to keep walking, how to read the night sky and how to be brave in the face of it all. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, the people of God walked through the darkness of the wilderness and later through the darkness of exile. And it was nearly 600 years before Jesus was born that the people returned to Jerusalem out of exile and found a city that was a ruin. And that is when they heard these specific words from Isaiah that we hear this morning in the Old Testament reading. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And they are told that the glory of God would actually become their glory too. And that they would be radiant. That kings and nations would be drawn to that light and would see the way it shined out for the whole world. I still remember that walk in Haiti and how as we made our way back into the town and the sun started really to light up the land. And we saw between the ridge lines, the beautiful mist, how the green of the hills started to come into vision, and how the sky suddenly turned orange against silhouettes of palm trees. This country that has suffered incredibly over the years is also a stunningly beautiful place, a place of radiance. It was as if the sun itself was saying, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Amen.